episode 001, the inaugural edition of the 2012 Legends of Sean Fantasy Football Podcast. Going to be coming to you weekly. I'm your host, Narf Money, live from Philadelphia, and I'm going to bring you rankings, previews, draft recaps, co-hosts, and everything else. Stay tuned. Like I said, this is Narf Money, your host. For all the new listeners out there, the way this is going to work, I'm going to be your host on this weekly podcast. This week, I'm going to go it alone to recap the draft, go over my inaugural set of power rankings, and maybe give a little preview for week one. Starting next week, I think we're going to have co-hosts on. It's going to rotate between all you legends of Tron in the league. So let's get started. So we're going to start off by going over the pre-draft power rankings based on managers, kind of win percentage over the past five seasons, and uh, points above league average is a big indicator as well. I think Vigo pointed this out to me. I think I, was, I weighed overall performance over the past five seasons a little too strongly and kind of neglected last season in a few instances where I probably shouldn't have. I think if I focused more on last season, I'd say Vigo himself is probably a little higher. He really had a very good season last year, if you look at the numbers, almost 200 full points scored more than anyone else. I think he won eight or nine straight regular season games into the into going into the finals, and truly one of the better seasons we see in the league. I think Noah also, despite his pretty funny history, um, his numbers are just so much worse than anyone else's, would probably be higher based off that playoff appearance he had last year. Maybe CB2. Probably, I'd say Moose and Lionel would be a little lower down, and everyone else more or less in the same. But I, I, I really weighed it more on kind of five-season history more than just last season. I will say, actually, I, I went into it kind of assuming I would put Vigo, Narf, Anton, LC as the top four in some order, pretty interchangeably. As I looked into the past seasons, and I kind of hate to say it, but Lamb Chop really has, I mean, his teams have performed by far the best. His win percentage is significantly higher. His points above league average is insane. That over five seasons, he averages 160 points over the, the league average. Playoffs every year, worst record of eight and five. He's he's never even had a mediocre team, and he's had five straight good teams, and probably can't call it luck at this point. I think it is a track record, despite how he drafted this season. So I put Lamb Chop at number one, Anton Narf Vigo. I had pretty interchangeably at two through four. Same with Fuse and Hudson at five and six. Kind of unproven in the trial league, but I know both follow sports. Kind of have. Some idea what they're doing. Maybe not Fuse with Vernon Davis this year. Lionel and Priest I thought were pretty interchangeable also. Maybe it's just because they're both Jets fans. They're, I mean, win percentage, Priest 48, Lionel 51. Generally right about 500. 
Both have negative points above league average. Lionel's is actually pretty bad considering he's a plus 500 win percentage. But he has made the playoffs through the last five years. It's just the two years he didn't make the playoffs is pretty bad seasons. Um, Moose should probably be a little lower than this, actually, especially based off his draft performance last night, which I caught in person. CB, yeah, probably right around there. He actually positive points above win percentage, but uh, only 43% winning. He's had a few pretty bad seasons also that bring him down. I, I really thought Yoni was going to be ranked 12th, actually. Like I went into this almost pegging him there and not realizing that his first two seasons in the league, he actually made the playoffs with good teams. I'm guessing he's kind of stopped caring a little bit each season since. It also makes sense why he still drafts Matt Schaub and Andre Johnson last year, like Houston was still in 2008-2009 mode when they actually were a decent passing offense. And then, yeah, sorry to know, maybe a little higher, especially because I like to draft this year, but, I mean... The two worst seasons in history, win percentage not great. I mean, your points is worse than Anton's is good at minus 174 per season. I'm pretty sure during the one of those 1-12, 2-11 and 12, two and 11 seasons, Noah did give up midway through, maybe both of them. So it is possible his records really weren't that bad, and he probably should have had some more point score than he did. I actually think one year, like by the end, he had like five or six starters that were just all on IR that he just was not paying attention to. But that's it for the, pre, the pre-draft the manager rankings. When it's your turn on the podcast, definitely let me know what you thought of this. If you thought it was fair, if you thought you were ranked too low. I'm going to guess most people don't think they're ranked too high. But if someone actually does think that, feel free. Feel free to bring it up. So next thing is really just to go through the draft. I'm not going to go round by round every pick, but I'm going to kind of go through the first round or two in... Um, in some detail, and then go through some picks I think are really smart. After that, I'm just pulling up yeah, the email right now. It makes it real easy to look through. So round one, Anton gives himself the first pick again. Aaron Rodgers can't go wrong with that. I kind of think Brady has a better year in him with Brandon Lloyd, Josh McDaniels. And he has a longer track history. I mean, Rodgers has been great every year. Last season was probably a little bit of an anomaly. Is he going to play that well again? Is the whole offense going to work that well again? I don't know. They had no injuries. Um, an injury to one of his wideouts would probably hit them a little harder than an injury in New England. I mean, Brady could, if, if Lloyd went down, it's the same team as last year. If either tight end went down, I don't think it'll hurt him that much. Welker is probably the most integral parts of that receiving core because of what they do and he's kind of irreplaceable despite Julian Edelman on the roster but you never know Arian Foster 2 is fine Brady 3 good pick by Noah I think he's learning from his Aaron Rodgers pick last year Ray Rice 4 I, I mean I think most people went into this knowing the top 6 include McCoy and Breeze in that and a pretty big drop after that I would say after 4 there's kind of a drop off I don't think McCoy or Breeze are up to the kind of standards of 1 through 4 but then after that, there's clearly a drop-off. I don't think Lionel is happy at 7. I wasn't really happy at 8. I don't really know about 9 through 12. MJD, I don't think he's reported to camp yet. Even if he has, this is not going to turn out great. I mean, there's just no good history of players holding out and then having good seasons. Chris Johnson did it last year. I've always thought MJD is kind of overrated as it was, but he did crush it on the rushing title last year. So if he played to that level, he's a number 7 pick. But Jacksonville's offense is so bad. I mean, MJD has almost 1,000 carries the past three years, by far most in the league. He's getting older. I think he's 30 years old. Not a big guy to begin with. Who knows what shape he's in. 
Matthew Stafford may have reached a few picks here. I, I'm not saying he's going to do what he did last year. I don't think he will when he threw for 5,000 yards, 40 touchdowns. I think if I get 44, 4,500 yards and 33 to 35 touchdowns, I'll be very happy with that. I think he should finish top five, barring injury. I mean, Detroit has no running game. They're going to throw it a lot. And he's going to throw picks, but he's just going to put up numbers. They get behind in games all the time, too, because their defense isn't good. Calvin Johnson for Yoni. Yoni has a history of wide receivers in the first round. I'm pretty sure he took Andre Johnson last year, and I think the year before, too, in the first round. I'm not a fan of a first-round wide receiver. I think it's really hard to judge year into year out how they're going to perform. You have a much higher chance of a first-round quarterback living up to that than a wide receiver. I mean, I don't think anything Johnson's going to have a bad season. I think he's a lock for top five, but... He's not going to blow it away like last year. I mean, no receiver's ever had that season twice in a row. Teams double and triple cover him. And he really had a good percentage of his numbers. I mean, the first four games of the season, he had eight touchdowns. I had him last year. He had two touchdowns the first four games. And then only eight the final 12. So in terms of that production, he really slowed down. Yards and catches were pretty consistent. But his bigger games in the beginning of the season, definitely. Chris Johnson, I mean, there are question marks about everyone here. I'm not saying it's a bad pick at 10. I'm really glad I didn't have to take him. I wouldn't have taken him there. He, he needs to prove he can be CJ2K again. He's definitely better than last year. He's going to be in shape. I mean, mentally, I think he'll be in a better place. I, he definitely could be worth a first-round pick, but it, it's no sure thing in my mind. You know, the first-round pick, I really like having something I can kind of rely on more than that. Moose, you were sitting right across from me. I'm going to call Larry Fitzgerald the worst pick of the first round. 11 and 12, it's, it was not a strong first round pick. I mean, there's question marks of everyone after number six, no doubt. But he just got, I mean, the season he had last year was the best season you could get out of him. I think he had 14 and maybe 10 or 11 touchdowns with awful quarterback play. If he does that again, I think he'd be really lucky. I don't think he will. And if he does that again, that's not a first round pick. I mean, you should... I would say, I'd say Matt Forte was the pick here. I think he could have, should have been a first-rounder. I don't think the injuries are concerned with him. I actually almost went with him over Stafford, but thought there was a slight chance I'd get him on the way back and knew I wouldn't get Stafford at the 17th spot. And then Marshawn Lynch, yeah, I mean, he got his contract. He's never been consistent. Motivational attitude issues. He clearly has gone, went beast mode in Seattle last year. I mean, clearly had the Ron Edwin remembers two years ago against the Saints in the playoffs, but... It's not who I'd want out in my first round. Going through the second round, uh, Gronkowski is just too early here, Fuse. You build your whole team around him. He's not going to do what he did last year. Hernandez is going to get more targets. I think Lloyd takes away touchdowns. Cam Newton. I mean, a lot of these are kind of in line with the ESPN rankers, so I'm not saying they're awful picks. I wouldn't have wanted Cam Newton either. His running touchdowns have to slow down. They don't want him scoring 10 rushing touchdowns. They have to protect him. They got Tolbert there. He really is not an accurate passer underneath. Teams proved that second half of last season. Forte, I think, is a good pick by Hudson. McFadden could be a top three running back if he stayed healthy. It, it, talent's no question. Oakland's going to run with him. He he never stays healthy. I mean, that, that's the whole thing. Second round, not, not a bad selection because of the upside. Narf going with Jamal Charles here. I mean, they, everyone says he's 100% back. I'm not really buying it. I mean, no one's 100% back after the first year of ACL, really ever after ACL, so I'm not thrilled with this. But, I mean, ESPN has him ranked high, 1,200 projected yards, I think. If he, 
I think he can live up to a second round pick if he plays well. And I'm not super invested in him like I was last year at number three overall pick. Brody White, fine. Jimmy Graham, fine. Eli Manning, everyone knows how I feel about Eli Manning. I think later I'm going to give some stats about kind of how overrated he is. It's a reach this early in round two. Like, as I said, in the power rankings, I think Rivers and Romo are both pretty comparable, and they went in round four. Not the worst pick because of how, I mean, quarterbacks disappear quickly in this league, and I will call him a top 10 fantasy quarterback. I think he's an elite player, so I can't criticize it too much. Welker, great in the PPR. Andre Johnson, I'm done on him. I mean, he's never had double-digit touchdowns, can't stay healthy. It's kind of this wide receiver run that I'm looking at it that, I mean, you just don't want to just tag along to a run. I mean, Greg Jennings and Hakeem Nix, those aren't second-round picks this year. Even if they finish top five, I don't think either will. They don't have huge upside. Neither is even really the number one receiver on his team anymore, arguably. Nelson and Cruz both did better last year. I mean, you really want a second-round pick on a wideout like that when you can... I mean, there's just so much value in receiver throughout the draft. I wouldn't say any awful picks. Third round, Yoni matchup, I don't know what you're thinking about. I mean, he had one fantasy season. He still gets hurt all the time, even if he's healthy. Houston's not a passing offense. I mean, there's no targets outside Andre Johnson. It's, they, they run the ball, and they're going to get to leads all day long. Their division's awful. They're going to be ahead in the fourth quarter. They've got two good running backs, so it's not, they're not even going to have to throw if Foster gets tired. Like, this team just runs the ball. It's what they do. I see no chance Schaub has a, a big – like, I don't think – he can't make the top ten, I would say. And if he squeaks into, like, nine or ten maybe, but that's not a third-round pick. Frank Gore – sorry, Moose. I mean, he, he's done. He's, he's over 30. San Francisco is actually going to pass a little more this year. Harbaugh likes passing. they got receivers. Smith has more confidence, especially coming off of that New Orleans playoff game. Uh, Frank Gore is just not a part of that offense anymore, I don't think. A.J. Green, I mean, people say he's got Calvin Johnson potential. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't go with him there. I mean, wide receiver is just early. I just don't think you get the most value out of. I think better quarterbacks should have been chosen in this round. Or, I mean, there's still good running backs. The one in the fourth and fifth that I would have taken up here. Round four, Fuse goes with Vernon Davis in the first pick of the fourth round. That's as bad as Matt Schaub, even if he was your first tight end. I mean, Davis had 13 TDs two years ago. I, I think the wide receivers are going to take cut, the targets away from him. He's, n- he's not consistently great. I mean, even at his best, he's not like a Graham Gronkowski game changer. He's just a pretty good tight end at his best. He's your second tight end. He's the first pick of the fourth draft. Uh, I mean, with all the, the holes you have on your team, like I'd take almost anyone. I mean, if, like Tony Romo... And Phil Rivers go three or four picks later. Either of those are better picks. Uh, Moose takes Bradshaw, the quarterbacks, and Matt Ryan. A lot of people group Matt Ryan in that group. I don't. Uh, he just doesn't strike me as an elite potential player. Everyone says Atlanta's going to air it out. The new offense coordinator, Julio Jones, Roddy White. He's got the targets. They play in a dome. It, I mean, with the Saints and, and Panthers, with good offensive divisions, they're going to get in shootouts. We'll see. I mean, it said the same exact thing last year. We'll see if Matt Ryan comes through. I think Ryan Matthews could be a really good pick from Yoni here. I mean, four weeks ago, being preseason, he was a first-rounder, a mid-first-rounder. He would have gone probably six, seven, eight off this board without the injury. Definitely has that potential. He said he's going to play week one, even if he's not 100%. I mean, if he's 100% probably three or four and you get that talent, that's a good pick here. Kind of just skimming through. Peyton Manning by Priest, a lot of discussion on that. I do think he's going to be good. 
someone said his last season, um, what was that, 2010, he was already in the decline. Not from a fantasy perspective. I owned him that year. He had, off the top of my head, I think 43, 44, and over 30 touchdowns. I mean, statistically, it was one of his top three or four seasons. He was a top five quarterback. I had no disappointment with Peyton Manning that year. He's not going to be that, but, I mean, Denver's got some sneaky good targets. Tammy's going to be good. Brandon Stokely, I don't think, was drafted. I feel kind of dumb giving this away, but I think he'll make some plays for Denver just because Manning knows him and trusts him. Eric Decker's type of wideout he likes. Thomas has good speed. And McGee runs. Like, this could be a good offense. And like Priest pointed out, uh, the, the defense is going to give him a lot of chances. So, I mean, Peyton Manning may not be elite elite, but I think he's definitely in the Eli, Michael Vick, Rivers, Romo, however you want to break him up. I think he's in that tier that's a little behind the top four or five. Trent Richardson to Vigo, another guy who could have been a first-rounder without injury, so I think that's a good pickup. Uh, Brandon Lloyd by Anton, I think he's going to have a huge year. I think he's everything they want in New England. He's going to open up the field. And there's one player which production I think he's going to hurt. I think it's Gronkowski. I know a lot of people are saying just take Deion Branch and Chad Johnson's targets, give it to Lloyd. I think that's true, but I think he's going to take touchdowns away from Gronk, and I think it's going to be a big problem with Gronk's game this year. Round five see anything to talk about mm, rg3 maybe a little early but i don't have a problem drafting quarterbacks in this league same with andy dalton actually it's probably too early for dalton he doesn't have the upside a lot of wideouts no one stands out as a great pick i don't think round six miles austin i mean has been a third round pick about three years in a row drops to the sixth he never quite lives up to it but i think i still believe he could so i kind of like that pickup by moose antonio gates here by hudson that's a good pick. I didn't realize he was on the board still. That just makes Fuse's Vernon Davis pick even worse, to be honest. That Gates is still on the board because he's going to blow Vernon Davis away. I, I, I pointed this out, I think, in the powerings. Gates was on par two seasons ago for a, a Gronkowski season, and he only played eight games, but he was that good. I mean, I'm not saying he's Gronkowski this year. He's 32, but his game's not pure speed, so I don't think age is going to hurt him that much. I think Rivers loves him. No Vincent Jackson. I think he's going to get a ton of targets all over the field. If he's really 100%, like they say, I, I really see Gates challenging anyone, for, challenging Gronk and Grant for top tight end. Doug Barnes going to be good. I'm high on Aaron Hernandez. A lot of reports in England say he's going to be the man this year. I think he's going to eat into Gronk's uh, production. I don't think he'll finish ahead of Gronkowski. I think he'll be a lot closer than last year. And Hernandez finished third last year, 900 yards, I think seven touchdowns. So I'm counting on 1,000 yards, and I'll keep the same seven touchdowns this year. be happy with that. Uh, Finley, the Eagles receivers, Andrew Luck, Freeman. Yeah, Vigo, I would have taken Freeman there probably. Freeman's not an awful fantasy quarterback. He had 26 or 7 touchdowns two years ago. Last year was a pretty regression year for Tampa Bay, but Vincent Jackson, better running game, better coach. Freeman's not going to be awful. He And he, he runs too. He gets three or four running touchdowns. He throws for 3,500 yards. I mean, Luck clearly will be a better player in the future, but I think Freeman's got... Probably more weapons around him, more proven, not a rookie quarterback. I wouldn't have taken Andrew Luck there. Seventh round, <laughs> Jake Locker. God, Vigo, those are two bad picks in a row. Andrew Luck, Jake Locker. I would have taken Alex Smith next over Jake Locker, too. If you're, I mean, you just want... Con- Jake Locker doesn't have any upside. Like, I don't know what you're expecting from him. So, uh, Alex Smith's going to give you 12 points a game. You know, Harbaugh's a good coach. Smith looked better last year. He'll get a few bombs for Randy Moss. He's not great, but over Jay Clocker, definitely. 
think McGay is a good pick here. I, Carson, actually, Carson Palmer over both of those. Carson Palmer is not an awful fantasy quarterback. I mean, once he started in Oakland last year around midseason, he was top 10 in a lot of stats. They've got young receivers. They throw the ball. You're better off with him than Luck or Locker, actually. If you, I mean, you just need a quarterback to kind of stop the bleeding there. Roy Hallou, no one knows if he's starting at all. Sam Bradford, I'll say he still has upside, but not counting on much. Round eight, wide out, wide out, wide out. And I mean, we're not. I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to pick out who I think might be potential sleepers down here. We're we're, we're pretty far away from fancy difference makers. I think Brandon Pettigrew was a good pickup by who is uh, CB. Uh, I took Kenny Britt. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not counting on starting him a lot. If and if you watch Kenny Britt play, when he's 100%. He is a top three wideout talent. That's not an exaggeration. I mean, I think a lot of people will tell you him, Des Bryant, let's say top five. Hit Kenny Britt, Des Bryant, Calvin Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, on town alone, I think are the, the top four, and most people agree with that. And for talent for Kenny Britt, I'm kind of really going more with athleticism than actual wide receiver talent. But he's, he's unguardable. Like, 130 yards, two touchdowns is a normal game for him. If he gives me two or three of those, I'm going to be happy with that pick. Next round, uh, actually, Fitzpatrick's still on the board. Vigo, I would have taken him over Locker Locker, too. Michael Bush is going to have value. I think it's a decent pick. Um, I like Titus Young. I think Detroit needs a second wideout. It's a decent pick by Yoni. Um, CJ Spiller was good last year, and Fred Jackson was injured. I don't think Tebow's a bad pick by Vigo. I, like I'm saying, you're not going to root for the Jets season to fall apart, but when if Tebow's starting... He's a top 10 fantasy quarterback. He gets like seven rushing points a game to go with his maybe eight passing points, 15 points. It's it's not bad. Going forward, Tammy, I like a lot there. Randy Moss, I think, is a great pick. A lot of people say he's a lot left. Even if he doesn't, what's the risk? If he does, you got Randy Moss. He's not going to be 2010 in New England, but, I mean, he could score you 10 touchdowns if he is out on the field, I mean, playing and, and has the ability left, even with Alex Smith throwing to him. Uh, Mark Sanchez by Priest. Mark Sanchez actually finished 15th overall in fantasy last year, which is really hard to believe. He had six rushing touchdowns. I'm not saying it's repeatable at all, but top 15 players in fantasy. Mark Sanchez on that list. Kind of ridiculous. Last round, I really like uh, Garrett Brown by Priest. Uh, not by Priest, by Moose. Adam last year, he was awful, but I mean, he's a. If Doug Martin struggles or they timeshare, Brown could give you 800 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, that's a decent backup production. So I think that's it going round by round through the draft. And we'll go on next to my power ranks, kind of see teams I think put it together better than others. So before we move on to the power rankings, I wanted to go into a little bit about value-based drafting and the two tight ends who went early, Rob Gronk and Jimmy Graham. Value-based drafting... In case people don't know, it's basically points above replacement level player. It's uh, how many points this player scored over a replacement player at that position last year. And it's a real good way of kind of going through the first round. Obviously, quarterback's going to score the most points, but if you can get a running back or tight end or wide out who's going to outscore his position by that much more, that's a way of saying who you should pick, basically. Um, so I think it was kind of, I think people overvalued Gronk and Graham a little bit this year. Not to say they shouldn't have been high picks. Um, Gronk actually comes in at 8 last year and Graham 14th in the whole league of uh, points above replacement player. But I think people were expecting them to be 1 and 2, which isn't true. 
Um, if you go through the list real quickly, Aaron Rodgers, Ray Rice, Drew Brees, Shady, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, MJD, and then Gronk. So Gronk was only the eighth best player overall at, um, at his position last year, not number one, which I think a lot of people thought. Uh, Rodgers, uh, basically saying Rodgers against an average quarterback is still a better pick than Gronkowski against an average tight end. Graham drops down to 14th. Um, Let's see, after Gronkowski, Arian Foster, Calvin Johnson, Matt Stafford, and a big drop-off, Michael Turner, Marshawn Lynch, Jimmy Graham. Just to give you kind of a, a comparison point, a, a zero quarterback, so replacement-level quarterback would have been Andy Dalton or Joe Flacco. Uh, running back, Donald Brown. Wide out, San Antonio Holmes, Eric Decker, Malcolm Floyd, all came in zero. And tight end, Jared Cook. So... I mean, basically, if you just want to use a quarterback tight end comparison, you'd be better off with Jared Cook and Aaron Rodgers for the season than you would with Rob Gronk and Joe Flacco or Andy Dalton, someone like that. So the tight ends are definitely, I mean, this is saying Gronkowski's a first-round pick, Graham's a second, but they're not as good against their position, maybe, as some people thought they were. Let's move into the power rankings. I mean, there's not a ton to say that I didn't write. I think the top five here, I have Narf, Priest, Anton, Noah Hudson, are pretty interchangeable. It's really hard to tell before any games are played. I mean, it's, it's there's a lot involved in kind of coming up with these. In general, I probably overvalue quarterbacks and undervalue wideouts a little bit. So if you have a strong wideout team without strong quarterbacks, I'm not going to rank you that high. See what happens when the season starts. I'll obviously change it around after a week or two. I'm a little less confident in my team this year than last year, so I wouldn't say this is a strong number one ranking. I think Priest has a really good team, too. Antonio Hudson, yeah. I mean, CB, I don't think there are that many awful teams. I think, honestly, I think Fuse and Moose are really bad. I, I think, as, as I wrote and said about earlier, Fuse's drafting really confused me. As I went through the rounds, I think Moose may have had the worst first, second, third, and fourth round pick, actually. I, I, don't, I don't think he made any good picks. In, in the early going. Um, Yoni's team is, might be as bad as those, but also has another chance. And anyone from 9 up, I think, seriously has a decent shot at the playoffs. Lionel and Vigo, not, not super thrilled with, but I wouldn't count them out of the playoffs yet. And then LC, as he pointed out, makes moves on the waiver roster and drafting just the formality. So we'll see if he can make his way up the list. Um, I'll definitely be updating these weekly probably take me a week or two to adjust to teams I think are bad winning, teams I think are good losing, but it gets pretty accurate as the season goes on. All right, let's go into some week one rankings. I'm not going to have this go that long. I want to try to keep these under 30, 35 minutes. I know this first one is just me talking the whole time, so hopefully it'll be more interesting once we have our rotating guests of Legends of Tron co-hosts on. Week one, actually some really interesting matchups. The the unique thing about week one and two, actually, in a 12-team league is those are matchups that get doubled up at the end. So anyone you play in week one or two, you play again, which is basically the only strength schedule indicator we have since we play every other team. So week one, we actually have the top four teams in the NARF rankings all going against each other. Preseasons one and two, NARF and Priest. Preseasons three and four, Anton and Noah battling, which also means those top four teams all have really hard strength of schedules because they're going to play each other twice which could actually bode well for some of the lower-ranked teams trying to sneak into the playoffs on week uh, 13 or 14 of the season. Just looking at strength schedule for a second, I would say 
Narf doubles up against Priest and Lamb Chop. I would say that's a pretty tough schedule. Noah doubles up against Anton and CB. That's a tough schedule as well. Uh, Priest doubles against Narf. I guess two against Yoni, so I'm going to call that a wash. And Anton um, has to play Noah twice, but also Lionel twice, so it's going to even out too. Easiest schedule, I would say, definitely Hudson. He's coming in the fifth-ranked team. He gets two against Fuse, two against Yoni. Could easily go down to the 11th and 12th teams this season. So I'd say playoffs just by strength schedule looks pretty strong for, for Hudson, maybe more than anyone else if I had to predict right now. But Narf and Priest should be a good battle, 1-2. Anton and Noah, I actually think, is really interesting. I mentioned this in the power rankings. I have all the teams I had the hardest time placing of these two. I couldn't decide which is better. The more I look at them, they just seem absolutely identical to me. In, in almost every position, I actually can't figure out who I think has the advantage. I mean, if I'm just looking at the quarterbacks, Rodgers and Breeze, and then Noah has Alex Smith, Tom Brady. Sorry, not Breeze, it's Brady. Noah has Tom Brady, Alex Smith. Anton is Rodgers, Freeman. Maybe you give a slight edge to Rodgers, Freeman there, but... It's really just as close. I mean, the tight ends are even. The running backs, DeMarco Murray and Michael Turner versus Sproles and Ridley. I think Sproles is the best there. Turner and Murray are better than Ridley, but I think it's going to even out. The wideouts are even. I'm, I'm predicting this to be a very close game, actually, and I'm, I'm happy that they play twice because I think both should be very close games. I'm um, looking at the rest of the week one slate. Sorry, just clicked the wrong button. Let me pull it up. Um, Lionel and Fuse. I should get Lionel off to a good start. CB plays Moose. <laughs> plays Moose. Same for Flyerboy. Um, Lambshot Vigo is interesting, actually. That's the top two seeds from last year. I think Vigo knocked Elsie out of the playoffs, if I'm right. Not in the finals, but in the, in the semifinals. No, that wouldn't make sense. Anton must have knocked Lambshot out, but Lambshot had looked like the top seed early on last year. I think he got out to like. I don't know, maybe 7-1, 8-1 before. He kind of dominated the first half of the season before Vigo took over the second half. So that's kind of a revenge game from last year. Then Hudson should get off to a win over Yoni in the, in the last game of the day. That's pretty much it for recapping the draft, power rankings, and weekly previews. As the weeks go on, we'll get into kind of waiver wire picks up just a little more. But I wanted to end, basically, with putting it out there on Eli Manning. I want to give you some stats. I want anyone that comes on the podcast to tell me why I'm wrong about this. Everyone knows my feelings about Eli Manning. I was on the record saying he was not a top 10 quarterback for the past few years. I'm giving in on that. He is a top 10 quarterback. He played well in the Super Bowl. He makes big throws. He's kind of clutch. Whatever. He's not a top 5 quarterback. He is not in that upper elite level. And I'm just going to read off some stats that I really think back me up. And anyone who thinks I'm wrong can bring it up when they come on the show. Or via email if you can't even wait. So, so his, Eli's best stat last year, uh, passing yards, came in fourth with 49-33. That's a huge number. Obviously, yards are inflated now, but that's a huge number. If Rodgers had played week five, you would have passed him. I mean, if you gave Rodgers Matt Flynn's week, not week five, but week 17. If you gave him Rodgers... Matt Flynn's Week 17 stat line of like 500 yards and six touchdowns. The season would have been even more amazing. But so we'll call you like fourth there. Uh, touchdowns, I think he was was sixth. Yeah, sixth. Only 29 though. That's and he's tied with Matt Ryan for sixth. So that's that's not a super impressive number, especially in a really pass-first offense, especially with three quarterbacks throwing for 40 and Tom Brady throwing for 39. I mean that's a 
Point out is a significant drop off in that level of production. In terms of interceptions, he also had the sixth highest interceptions in the league at 16, won a game. I mean, Newton, Rivers, Grossman, Freeman, Fitzpatrick, are the only ones with more. None of those you're hearing as elite quarterbacks. I mean, Rivers maybe used to be in the conversation, but I mean, it's a lot more than anyone close to the top. The best stats, though, I think that really proved, I think, that pokes a hole in Eli's elite campaign completion percentage. In my opinion, that's actually the number one stat to judge a quarterback off. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what they're doing. They're trying to complete passes. Eli Manning coming in at 13th in the league behind Alex Smith, Matt Ryan, Matt Hasselbeck, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Freeman, Rivers, Roethlisberger, Stafford. And then we're getting into Stafford, Brady, Romo, Rogers, Breeze, ones you expect. But, I mean, he's got a lower completion percentage. And he's tied with Matt Schaub, actually. And he's 0.3% above Carson Palmer. 0.5% above Matt Moore, but behind Alex Smith, Matt Hasselbeck, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Freeman, all of higher completion percentages than Eli. If you want to look at the quarterback rating, I think he's coming in, I don't know, 6th or 7th. 7th, yeah, 92.9. So, I mean, he's, he's, he's clearly top 10. I don't think any of those stats make a case for top 5, or that he's in the elite bracket. The Eli supporters are going to point to the stats. I think he had, what, like, 14 or 15 fourth quarter touchdowns last year and like seven game winning drives, which are all ridiculous numbers, which one makes you think if he's half his season touchdowns in the fourth quarter, what is he doing in the first three quarters? But I'll say he was clutch. First some games, you also want to look at the Giants season. I mean, they finished nine and seven. They only made the playoffs because Miles Austin lost that like five yard out route in the lights when they played the Cowboys the first time. The Cowboys should have won that game. The Giants don't make the playoffs. And they really, I mean, what, what I'm building up to is that I really have not heard anyone beat this argument for me. Is everyone talked about how great Eli was in the playoffs, how clutch he was. The Super Bowl, sure, he had a great pass to Manningham in game one drive. But let's think about that Niners, Giants, NFC Championship game for a second. That's what I'm coming down to. That game was tied with about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. I've looked this up a few times. These stats are 100% correct. Look at yourself if you want. Look back into the game logs. Eli Manning had five possessions once the game was tied. Three in the fourth quarter and two in overtime. Any of those would have essentially won the game. So five possessions to win the game to go to the Super Bowl. What are, his, what are the giant stats as a team? Five punts, three first downs, 36 yards. None of the first downs on the same drive. So he can't put together two first downs on the drive, punts, five straight times on potential game-winning drives. If the Giants offense had done, if, I mean, if the Niners offense had done anything in the, in the game, they don't go to the Super Bowl. And Eli Manning had plenty of chances to get them there. They only tie the game because of the, the muffed punt. Um, I, I'm blanking on the name of the, the Niners punt returner. Then they only win the game because of another fumbled punt. So really, he has five possessions, and on his sixth one, he gets the ball like a 30-yard line off a fumbled punt, and they get a field goal. They don't even score a touchdown. So, I mean, you can't really point to Eli and saying he got him to the Super Bowl because that game, he did nothing to get him to the Super Bowl. Not to mention, like, the, the Giants lost to the Vince Young-led Eagles last year. They lost at home to the Seahawks, like, in week six or seven, where Eli threw, like, five interceptions or fumbled or something. So... Come on the podcast, tell me why I'm wrong, but that's my Eli Manning rant. I think it's going to cover it for week one. Looking forward to week two. If anyone wants to step up and post, let me know. This is Narf. We are out.
Right at your baby, but here's my.